the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Third and final hour to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show right here on News Talk 710-KNUS. Thanks for joining us. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. We should be joined here by Congressman Ken Buck in any moment from now. In the meantime, let's look at some texts here. Jimmy, never be another R leader in Colorado. Probably true, but doesn't that just perfectly typify the ability of people to blindly adhere to failed ideologies? Steve in Littleton, retired law enforcement officer. So I'm not sure exactly what you're saying in that regard um, as far as adhering to failed ideologies because I think it actually provides an incentive for some to make a calculus and say, hey, um, let's see. If a Republican can't win, then I'm going to go for the Democrat in the mayor's race who seems to embody the issues I care about the most. And that's the second candidate that I would like to go to. So I'm going to vote for that alternate candidate. You could do that in Denver where you have one, maybe two Republicans running for mayor and everybody else is a, is a Democrat and just a range from more moderate like Kwame Spearman seems to be onto far left progressive like a Leslie Herod. And so it could be a calculus for people to say, well, the Republican can't win. So I'm going to go for this moderate candidate who I like and I think could have a shot. It might typify the ability for those in power to go for ideology. So, for example, if you're a Democrat, oh, Republican can't win. We don't have to worry about it. So I am going to vote for the far left progressive candidate because I prioritize ideology over what's good for Denver or what's good for Colorado. And so I think the Democrats may have an incentive to go more ideological. Republicans, at least in Denver, may have an incentive, along with conservative-leaning moderates or unaffiliated voters, may have an incentive to look elsewhere, to look at more moderate candidates. And here's why it is important, too, to consider the uh, implications of having far-leftists run, say, Denver. Because the state house, the state legislature, is so far gone when it comes to issue after issue. This is a topic we'll talk more about in the next segment, but it's the subject of my column yesterday in the Denver Gazette. Uh, Nothing tops parents' love in mental health, too. There is a bill before the legislature called House Bill 23-1003. So 1003, House Bill 1003. And it passed the Public Health Committee on Tuesday. What would it do? 
It would create a statewide mental health screening program for students in grades 6 through 12. Schools that opt in to participate would administer with a qualified provider. Now, I have been open publicly about how I was treated for seven years for clinical depression and anxiety and had a past near-suicide attempt some nine years ago. I've written about it. I've spoken about it. So I really appreciate the efforts of the bill's sponsor, State Representative Daphna Michelson Janay, who had a child attempt suicide at the age of nine. So it's deeply personal for her, and I can understand that. But while well-intentioned, here's the biggest problem with the bill. I got no problem with mental health screenings. In fact, experts who have studied these issues in schools and so forth recommend mental health screenings that happen in schools, but that should happen in schools. But while well-intentioned, those screenings cannot do one key thing that this bill would do, House Bill 1003. And that is exclude parents in ways that may harm the very youth that we all want to help. It doesn't promote a collaborative partnership between the school and the parents. In fact, parents can opt out their children from the mental health screening. Used to be called assessment, by the way, and then they changed it in amendments during the committee to screener. But while their parents may opt out their kids, children aged 12 and older can override their wishes and participate anyway. You heard me right. If a parent says, I'm opting my kid out of this assessment, this screener, a child aged 12 or older, which is, by the way, almost all of the kids that fit grades 6 through 12, you have some 10-year-olds You got a chunk of 11-year-olds that are in sixth grade, but then you get to the 12-year-olds. It's almost everybody that this bill would cover. And the parents' wishes get overridden. Now, this bill, I will say, does require the screener to immediately notify both the parents of the child and the school in the event of serious risk of self-harm or danger to others. That wasn't in the original draft of the bill. It was amended during committee on Tuesday. Now... If a screener determines that a student isn't a dangerous risk, but still needs mental health services, the parent must be notified within 48 hours. Okay, fair enough. But unless, that is unless the student is aged 12 or older and declines to consent to parental notification. So if it's not an emergency situation, but the school's hired provider To do the screening determines, hmm, this child has some mental health needs that should be addressed. And the kid doesn't want the parents to know, including if they're going to get services through this program the state provides called iMatter. Then the kid is able to get mental health services without the parents knowing. Now, the representative behind House Bill 1003, Michael Sinjanae, argues that her bill simply accepts Colorado's existing informed consent law that lets children age 12 and up obtain psychotherapy services without parental approval. Now, she doesn't want to modify the law, perhaps because she passed the law, it was her bill in 2019, that reduced the age of informed consent from 15 to 12. 
But there's no reason that legislators shouldn't supersede it here. In fact, I mentioned this iMatter program. Colorado's existing iMatter mental health services initiative allows children age 12 and up to decide unilaterally of their own accord to submit a screening and access resources, including up to six therapy sessions. And I think 12 is too young for that on your own, but at least the child takes the initiative themselves. Whereas under this bill, you could see pressure from authorities come into play. Because what do you have here? You have a situation where a teacher can say, well, we have this program and we're going to do it. You can do it if you want to or not. You have the pressure of the peers. You have the pressure of authority. Uh, One mother who testified, Monica Fader, told me, and I quote her in my column, quote, we have taught our children to respect authority at school, that we trust the people at school. They are in real legitimate positions of authority for our kids. Now, her children had harrowing mental health experiences with their schools in the past. So she's got a very strong perspective on this. And and Monica said if they can make the mere suggestion that this might be better to keep a secret, that is an abuse of power. I wonder how many of these kids are on the fence about talking to their families and now you just give them an easier option. That is, do the screener, go get help. Okay, I think it's good to get help, but you need to have your parents engaged. What if, for example, what if you have a child who is getting therapy out of school and then they are brought in for mental health services, etc., and the school has no idea that this is being done already outside of school, but they do it anyway. And the parents then have no idea that then the child is getting separate services. This is flabbergasting, not to mention utterly wrong. And the point that I really make, and I think is so critical, is that this bill, House Bill 1003, undermines a fresh body of research demonstrating the significant link between parental involvement and a child's mental health. And I talked through a couple of studies that have been done really underscoring this point. Ultimately, the research that I cite underscores the need to, quote, provide adolescents with a consistent message between the home and school. I mean, here's the thing. Encouraging students to keep secrets from their parents promotes the opposite, especially since there are other tried and true ways to identify students who may even be abused at home legitimately. And you may need to get them help independently. There are other ways to do that. This underscores for me the value and the necessity of having the best people we can get in Congress, in the legislature, in any of those positions to make sure that we can block bad bills like this House Bill 1003. And by the way, this needs to give final opt-out rights, or better yet, empower parents to opt in and mandate that all results automatically get sent to the parents. Otherwise, it should not become law. We'll talk more about this here when we return in the next segment. But let's go to the VIP line. Speaking of one of those guys we need to have in Congress, 
It's Ken Buck, Congressman for the 4th Congressional District, rejoining us on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Good morning, sir. How the heck are you? Good morning. I'm doing great, Jimmy. You know, I appreciate you joining us. You've come out with a book recently. Folks on the station have been hearing you talk about it. Crushed, Big Tech's War on Free Speech. And we saw some things happen with the House Oversight Committee this week where you had former senior officials at Twitter get before Congress and answer some very tough questions. Let me ask you, uh, Ken Buck, just jump right into it. Is there truly a war by big tech being imposed upon free speech? Well, absolutely. Big tech has the ability to uh, influence the flow of information. They're using that ability to censor conservative speech and and to uh, create um, a a hostile environment for uh, conservative thoughts. How do you see that? Like when you write about it in your book... And what we're seeing as well from the Twitter files and from Congress, uh, what makes you conclude that it's it's a war on free speech and especially against conservatives? I'm sorry, Jimmy. How do I see it? Yeah. What 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 is the evidence? What is the laying out? What when I mean, if you talk to folks who aren't maybe paying as much attention, or maybe they haven't been subjected to some of these uh, consequences on social media and aren't paying aren't aware of it what what points of evidence do you point to that say okay we definitely have a situation with free speech here that is egregious well look at the hunter biden laptop story uh for one uh what you had was a situation where uh the the, right before an election two weeks before an election uh there was a story in the new york post and because it didn't favor their side it didn't favor joe biden they uh, took the story down and made the story difficult. Uh, look at Google. Uh, they changed their algorithm in uh, June of 2020 to benefit Joe Biden and to harm, to disadvantage uh, Donald Trump. When you uh, uh, searched for stories on Donald Trump, what you got were negative stories uh, put out by liberal media sites. And when you search for stories by um, uh, about Joe Biden, you got uh, positive stories put out by liberal media sites. So um, they they have uh, over and over again um, uh, decided that uh, they they want a particular outcome in in politics. Congressman Ken Buck, our guest. So here's the bigger question, Congressman, and that is. What do you actually do about it? What can and should government do to step in? And what's your case, especially for guys like me who are skeptical of having government get involved in it in the first place because we have those limited government conservative principles? Well, Jimmy, I share those limited government conservative principles. And and what we believe in is we believe that the free market should uh, and will take care of situations like this. What actually happens is there is no free market. These are monopolies. 94% of all searches, uh, online searches, happen um, uh, on on uh, Google. Um, and the uh, the ability of anybody to compete with that um, is minimized. And so they do their very best to use their monopoly position to crush business competition. But they also use that position uh, to crush ideological opposition. 
and and that's what uh, is so dangerous. In the past, Jimmy, we've had uh, um, we've had monopolies. Uh, uh, you know, during the beginning of the Industrial Revolution, we had monopolies on steel and banking and uh, oil, um, and those monopolies are dangerous because they uh, they they cost consumers more. Um, and oftentimes produce a uh, an inferior product because there is no competition for consumers to go to. Um, we passed the Sherman Act uh, in the late 1800s, the Clayton Act in, in 1913, and um, we were able to create a competition in the marketplace through um, prohibiting anti-competitive conduct. And the beauty of that is our economy flourished. And now we have a new economy. We have e-commerce. We have online searches. We have social media. And that new economy is what is so dangerous because we, again, very hard-working, smart people have figured out how to create monopolies in certain areas. I'm not suggesting for a minute the government go in and regulate speech. Uh, what I'm suggesting is that we do our very best to stop the discrimination by these platforms so that there can be competition. Uh President Biden, in his State of the Union address, briefly talked about big tech. And here's a snippet of what he said. We must finally hold social media companies accountable for experimenting or doing running children for profit. It's time to pass bipartisan legislation to stop big tech from collecting personal data on our kids and teenagers online. Ban targeted advertising to children and impose stricter limits on the personal data that companies collect on all of us. It seems to me that there might be more bipartisan agreement, rightly or wrongly, on having government get in and regulate the uh, aspects of social media that deal with influencing ads toward children and so forth, Congressman Buck. How much bipartisan support is there for your position that particularly tries to address the free speech issue? Well, uh, they're related. Uh, Jimmy, the the fact that Instagram knew that it was harming uh, teenage girls in particular, uh, that there was body shaming, that there was depression, that there were higher suicide rates among those girls, and just doubled down and actually uh, started advertising and catering to an even younger set of teenage girls um, is dangerous. And that's what President uh, Biden was talking about. The uh, if we had competition, if we had four Instagrams out there, um, what we would have is instead of full body uh, pictures of these teenage girls on, on Instagram, we would have a, a competitor that said, okay, we're only going to do, um, you know, shoulders up uh, pictures of teenage girls. And parents and girls themselves would choose that competitor because we don't have competition the Instagram was allowed to and and uh, did uh, create more and more harm. Congressman Ken Buck, our guest here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. A few minutes left with the congressman, and I, I want to shift gears to another issue that uh, at least seems to be related based on what happened a couple of weeks ago on the floor of the U.S. House of Representatives, where you led other members of Congress in talking about DirecTV and AT&T removing Newsmax from their programming, and that comes after One American News had been removed back in, I think, 2021. Here's a snippet of you, Congressman, on the House floor. We acknowledge that we may never know the exact mindset of the decision makers who decided to join hand in glove 
with progressives' drive to silence their opposition. But what we know is more than enough. Democrats asked and DirecTV delivered. Progressives spoke up and One American News was silenced. Newsmax is now on the chopping block. Where does that leave us? Under the lengthening shadow of censorship or at the beginning of a new era when freedom fights back. Uh, Congressman, we are in a new era of streaming services. Uh, I've cut the cord. I don't have cable anymore. There are, there's YouTube TV. There are many different options for people to access that. So how, in, in your mind, is this DirecTV can, uh, ending of um, Newsmax and One America News related to the issue of big tech censorship and, and sufficiently to talk about it on the floor of the House for an hour or so? Well, uh, the uh, two two members of the Energy and Commerce Committee who have uh, uh, oversight of uh, uh, AT&T, DirecTV, the um, uh, those those types of uh, platforms, they uh, they sent a letter to the president of AT&T and to the president CEO of of uh, DirecTV, and they said. Fox News, Newsmax, and One American News are dangerous, and they went through this whole list of, of supposed offenses that were uh, related to January 6th and how uh, conservative TV caused uh, the, the dangers that exist in this country, and they said they should be removed. And so far, um, two of those uh, uh, producers, One American News and Newsmax, have been removed. So draw your own conclusions. It, it is something where the Democrats uh, asked for it and the, the company complied. So I was looking into the Newsmax piece, though, and it does seem like more of a business dispute and a contractual disagreement over the terms of who pays what. I mean, Newsmax allowing uh, or rather DirecTV allowing Newsmax to be on its cable services or satellite services um, without paying any costs. But Newsmax says, well, we want a fee uh, like uh, most major news channels get uh, to supplement their advertising revenue. And they had a disagreement over that. Um, and and I, I don't know to the extent that that's the case versus the influence from 2021 with Democrats in control of, of the House uh, and, and those congressional leaders from those committees that oversee these companies um, sending that letter. I, I don't know the extent to which you can really balance the two there. And if it's I mean, it always comes down to a role of government question, Congressman Ken Buck. And and certainly when we're talking about free speech, it's an important discussion. Um, could there be like, do you want to take additional steps here to get to the bottom of this and see how the companies will actually respond and answer questions and so forth? Where, where do you want to take this as far as getting answers and maybe getting some sort of redress of grievances? Well, I think absolutely uh, there should be an investigation. But, uh, Jimmy, there are a number of left of center news outlets that get paid by uh, by a direct TV and AT&T um, and Newsmax does not. They rely solely on the, the advertising model uh, to receive any revenue from being on direct TV. And so um, if you're paying um, a left of center uh, out- outlet that has fewer viewers and you refuse to pay a right of center mm-hmm. uh, outlet that has more viewers, you've got to draw the conclusion. And the conclusion I draw 
is that because of pressure from the Democrats, from members of Congress, but also uh, clearly uh, uh, Democrats who have influence in the Biden administration and with the regulatory agencies, something is going on beyond just a business decision. Congressman Ken Buck, one final question for you, a uh, different topic. You want to have the U.S. government ban TikTok altogether, not just on government devices, as is already the case, at least for federal employees, but across the board. Given how entrenched TikTok is, especially among teenagers and young adults, but also folks who are older, their 30s and 40s as well, how is that a viable proposition and why is it important? Jimmy, do you use TikTok? Tell me the truth. I don't, actually. All right, good. Thank you. Um, it, TikTok is owned, controlled, created by, uh, the, with the Communist Party uh, of China's sanction. Um, and it gathers information for the CCP. It is dangerous. We shoot down balloons because they gather information for the CCP, and we can't allow this country to have TikTok. Now, as soon as we get down the road and get closer to banning TikTok, what's going to happen is they will sell to an American company or the the uh, agreement with Oracle will be um, uh, shown to be one that, that will not allow <coughs> excuse me information to get back to the CCP. Either one of those results mm. is fine with me, but the only way to get there is through starting the process of banning TikTok in the U.S. So fundamentally, it is about extracting TikTok from the hands of China. Not China, but the CCP. Yeah, the, the Chinese Communist Party. Right. Correct. Absolutely. Right. The, the rulers of the the country of China. Uh, absolutely. I, I think um, that, that is an interesting approach to it. And it definitely is concerning when you think about the role of the Chinese Communist Party here in their data collection and so forth. From the balloons on over to TikTok, that is something to be addressed. Congressman Ken Buck, really appreciate your time this morning. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Jimmy. Good to be with you. Once again, U.S. Congressman Ken Buck of the 4th Congressional District joining us here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. We're overdue for a break. What are your thoughts on this or the mayoral situation or the topic of mental the mental health bill I was discussing? Give us a call. 303-696-1971-710-KNUS. You gotta let it breathe when it's the king of the blues himself, the B.B. King. Why I Sing the Blues, one of the great B.B. King tunes, a very, very long one as well. Welcome back to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, News Talk 710-KNUS. It is our day to celebrate the three kings of the blues, B.B. Albert and Freddie. And I think we got another Freddie King tune coming up here in the next segment. Good to be with you today. On the program, Alexa texting in on the Ken Buck conversation. Agree, TikTok is very dangerous. That's an interesting play on the part of Ken Buck to really extract the Chinese Communist Party from TikTok or vice versa, extract TikTok from the Chinese Communist Party. I I do wonder how much influence China actually has now. Um... There is some debate about that, technically speaking, what the Chinese Communist Party actually has as far as their ability to tap into TikTok and so forth. Um, I think it's a challenge 
to go ahead and ban something. Uh, maybe it will force TikTok away from from Chinese Communist Party hands altogether if it isn't already. Um, it's an interesting strategy to approach it that way. Uh, certainly, I do think that there are concerns from TikTok. I mean, there are uh, national security organizations and, and businesses that require their employees not to be on TikTok. So it makes some sense for the uh, for there to be genuine concern, I would surmise. But, you know, it's, it is a free society and these are these platforms and it is so intrinsic now to the social media economy and how people do so many things socially and so forth. So you got to be smart about it. And um, it's an interesting approach for Ken Buck to take. Okay, let's go to the politics here. We got a text in. The Jeffco Republican Committee last week was raucous, rowdy, and a lot of fun. We have new leadership. Regardless, in Colorado, the GOP are now the losers, the counterculture, the radicals. We need to act as such because we have nothing to lose. Look, Here is what you actually have to lose if you, and I'm not saying that you're suggesting this, but if we don't have Republicans that act smarter and strategically, then you will lose the battle when it comes to a variety of different issues and being able to push back. You can still thwart the Democrat agenda and make some inroads. But if you just focus on more hardline views and approaches and so forth that don't try and reach people from a messaging standpoint. And by the way, I'm all for advancing conservative principles, principles, no holds barred, but it's how you come across, how you get the message across that really matters. And look, I, I look at, for example, what's happening right now down in El Paso County. Today, the Republican Party has a representative from the state party, the Republican Party in El Paso County has a representative from the state Republican Party, bolstered by a court, by the way, which dismissed the challenge from the chairwoman down there, Vicki Tonkins, who said, oh, no, we need we should not have the state party come in. Look, I remember this even going far back to. What, 2013, uh, there was stuff I know uh, I was there in the room when the state party had the chairman come at the request of the college Republicans, state college Republicans, to oversee the meeting that they had for college Republicans. And that was very responsible on the part of the college Republicans to say there's a big dispute and we need the state party to come in and handle it. Which, by the way, the state party has jurisdiction over both organizations affiliated with the Republican Party and county Republican parties. There is every reason for them to send somebody who really understands Robert's Rules of Order, Parliamentary Procedure, and and more, Gregory Carlson is his name, to send him down to El Paso County and say, this is a bleep show, and we are going to make sure that this is actually done right. I, I understand the desire for having fun, for raucous rowdy. Fair enough, I get it. But look, you're a political party that's supposed to be responsible for electing Republicans and defeating Democrats. And if you can't get your acts together and instead just have these internecine warfare battles or squabbles or whatever you want to call it, like a bunch of children, you're going to keep getting your ass handed to you. And as a Republican, I don't want that. So I'm going to call it exactly as it is. 
It is absurd. It's childish. It's immature. And it has encouraged uh, folks across the state, including Republicans, to say, out of hell with the Republican Party. I'm just not participating or I'm not voting Republican or I'm switching to unaffiliated because they look and they see how out of control the Republican Party is. We're going to take a break. On the other side, we'll get to our final segment, crossover with Peter Boyles. Maybe he's got a thought on on that or maybe he thinks everything's hunky-dory with the Republican Party. You know Peter, right? Isn't isn't that his thought? We'll keep it right here. It's the Jimmy Sangenberger Show on Denver's local talk leader, News Talk 710 KNUS. Gonna pack it up, give it up, put you right out of my mind, sings the great Freddie King, one of the three kings of the blues, rounding out our tribute day to Albert, Beebe, and Freddie King here on the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. And should the Republican Party be packing it up, or should they just re-strategize right now and approach things more wisely? Somebody who uh, is, is never never criticized the Republican Party joins us in studio. He's up from 9 to noon on the Peter Boyles show. It's the man himself, Peter Boyles. Good morning, Pete. You know what this is going to be like today. Are you are you going to be there? I'm going to be at the Rappo County one where I'm going okay. to play parliamentarian. That right. should be interesting. Best guess it. Uh, down in, in El Paso County. Yeah, who becomes the chair? You know, I think there's a... I, I don't I don't actually know who the other candidate is um, uh, up against Vicky Tong because I haven't paid close enough attention to the the who's who in that regard. But from what I'm hearing, it does look like it may be advantaging the candidate against Tonkins down there mm. in El Paso County based on the vacancy committee fill-ins and whatnot. That there's a reason why she wanted to do this independent of the actual process and set up her own and say we're doing it the real way. And I think it's because she's worried she's vulnerable. How long before whomever gets these jobs, the um, the Trumpist will turn on and cut their throats? Ah, uh, you know, it really depends on how much tr- it's about Trump versus not about Trump. Because right now, it. I think it's actually I, I think it's more about their own personal self interest, and they use Trump in the same way Trump uses them. Either way, you know, if you come out and say the election was not stolen or words to that effect or you speak positively about the vax or whatever it is it's the same thing dead man walking Mm -hmm. yeah i i mean i think it's it's pretty quick turnaround for a lot of these folks depending on the positions i mean if tonkins were to were to be elected again then she'd probably stand more of the test of time because Mm -hmm. she is has paid those dues but others we'll see i mean you could see the state party chair christy burton brown turn on her well the national republican party rejected all the lunatics and stayed the course but here in colorado it's a civil war and it's a brutal civil war between people that don't believe the lie and people that believe the lie do you think it is possible if republicans were to address some of these things that we're talking about to ever make gains again in colorado i i think they need the right person i've said this and although and i have to say this every time i've certainly never talked to him about it but if you ran a Peyton Manning, if you ran a Dave Logan, I mean, Dave's a wonderful friend, and I've never said, hey, Dave. If Dave ran for governor, or Dave ran for Senate, or if you took Peyton Manning, who lives here, you could win. You could legitimately win. But as long as you run the people that get ran, it isn't going to happen. And then all the lies begin again. So I, I think... Is it possible? Of course, everything and anything and all things are possible. The answer is, is it conceivable. That's a better question. And so there are men and women out there 
But why would they risk it? Why would a guy like a Dave Logan, who was really a, a, just a tremendous man, or Peyton Manning, why would they allow themselves to be attacked by fake radio and by idiots on the Internet and stupid people inside the Republican Party? There, there's, there's, there's no reason to. So, and folks on the left. Like, then you get oh, dual action there in that yeah, but They don't need to. Yeah. I mean, you know, what's the great line? When your enemy is destroying himself, don't try and help. Mm. And just sit and wait. Uh, Peter, getting tight on time. What have you got on the show this morning, brother? Well, we all heard the State of the Union, and I thought it was interesting. Oh, we've heard all the critiques and the the attacks. But what is your State of the Union? Uh, People take two or three minutes and give me their State of the Union. We have Robert Spencer coming out of the box. We're marking one year of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Uh, there's a bunch of other stuff bouncing around, including Chinese technology. I mentioned this last week on the show. Um, the people who spend from Walmart has spent $500 million inside of the PRC. The United States of America, we built that military. We built this technology. And, of course, China has a long history of stealing American technology. Everybody in technology knows that. And um, the rolling giant, uh, the PRC and I, I look at this stuff, and, and again, Spencer will talk about it. We collectively, by being told we're getting a great deal on trash cans, built the Red Army. Mm. So, and, and, and what did Kurt Vonnegut say? And so it goes. Listener text, from for the left yeah, critiques, um, Dave Logan and Peyton Manning would become racist within five seconds. No, they Fran would not. There's nothing, there's nothing that, that isn't true. That isn't so. You listen. think they would be able to avoid that kind oh. of attack that the left always throws a well, republic? Well, you got to look at the, the presidency of, uh, of Dwight Eisenhower, and I'm a fan of Eisenhower's and read many, many books. Um, Eisenhower was a hero of the country, and... Eisenhower went through Little Rock. He went through all the issues, early civil rights struggle stuff. And nobody would hang it on Ike simply because of his background and the work that he did. Mm-hmm. Same true with Dave or, or Peyton. But, I mean, believe me, I'm talking out of my hat by using those two men. But there's classic, classic examples of somebody could win. Peter Boyles, up from 9 to noon. Good to see you, brother. Have a great show. Once again, Peter coming up in just a few minutes. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Back next Saturday. Have a great rest of weekend. I'll see Arapahoe County Republicans here very shortly. Have a great weekend, as I said, and God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.